I don't know about you, but I remember when I was growing up, my mom would put oranges and walnuts in our stocking. Did anybody else get those? I don't understand that. To me, that was the worst gift. I'm looking at that going, an orange? I appreciate it, Tristan. Thank you for being so positive. But man, I looked at that and went, that's my Christmas gift? Holy moly. But it actually represents something that I find interesting because... Um, gifts were starting to be given way back in the beginning of time. And I, I feel like this fruit actually represents the first gifts that we as mankind, uh, we as humanity actually received. See, the very first gifts are actually found way back in the beginning in the first book of the Bible, in the very first chapter of the Bible. Tonight, a message I wanted to share is in the beginning. I feel like it's appropriate. It's the beginning of a new season. It's the beginning of a new congregation. And so I felt the Lord was saying, go back to the very beginning. Go back to the very beginning. Because in the very beginning, we can see that it was God himself that actually gave us gifts and started the whole gift-giving thing. I mean, if you take a look at Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. It chronicles the great care, the great detail that God went through to, to fill this space with something in preparation for someone. I mean, on day number one, right? On day number one, the Bible, if you remember in Genesis chapter one, if you've ever read it, in day number one, God creates light. Boom. There it is. Day number two, God takes that light and he begins to separate what is called space or sky and water, begins to separate them. Day three, God creates land and plants. Day four, God gets real creative. He creates the sun, the moon, and billions of stars. <coughs> it's like he's setting the stage for something. Day five, God creates the birds and all the sea creatures that fill the oceans. Day six, God creates land creatures. It's like he's setting the stage. It's like he's making preparations for the main character to come on the scene. Reminds me when uh, Leah and I, we'd been married for a few years and we said, hey, we want to have kids. And we were planners. We were preparers. We waited seven years before we had children because we wanted to be ready to have children. Of course, when the children came, we realized we were not ready, <laughs> not at all. But we had prepared. As a matter of fact, uh, for both of our girls, we went to great lengths. We went to great efforts. We went to, to great works preparing their bedrooms, right? We painted the walls. We, we bought furniture. We were given furniture because the anticipation of a new baby, much like the anticipation of a new church, requires stuff right? We got diapers, we got baby clothes given to us, and we prepared the room in great detail and with great care. I can remember when Leah was full-blown, eight, nine months pregnant, walking into the bedroom uh, that we were preparing with for our daughter, Rachel, and I looked around and it was perfectly prepared. We'd even taken little pajamas and laid them in the crib to kind of pretend like, look, it's a baby. I would actually walk in there and scoop up the PJs and go, oh yeah. Someday this will be full. <laughs> then I went over to the diapers and I said, Someday this will be full. <laughs> we prepared her room with great anticipation. 
And then when we brought her home, Rachel, and then subsequently a few years later brought Emma home to her bedroom, I was so excited to say, girls, look, this is all for you. And then they burped. And then they did something in their pants. And I thought, I'm so glad you like it. I'm so glad you appreciate all that we've done for you. And the reality is they didn't. They were too young to really appreciate it. But we had gone to great detail to prepare for our girls. When I read the creation story, that's what I see God doing. He's preparing. He's making everything ready for his special creation. Because at the very end of day six, after God has created the, the light, the sun, the moon, the stars and space and land and sea, and he says all of this is good, he gets to the very end and he creates mankind. And he says, now, now it's very good. Now it's very good. It seems to be what God is doing because his last creative act is mankind. I want to show you guys in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. I want to read that to you really quickly here. Take a look on the screen with me, would you? Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, both male and female, he created them. Verse 28 goes on to say, Then God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then in verse 29, take a look. And God said, see, I have given you. You see the gift? He's already giving. In the very beginning, God is giving. He says, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on it, on the face of the earth. Every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you, it shall be for food. And verse 30 says, also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. The very first gift from God was all that we see, all that we taste. God gives us this planet, this incredible planet to enjoy. He gives us these wonderful animals that some of you love, like your cats, your dogs, your fish, and some of you weird people that like reptiles. Good for you. God gave those to you as a gift. The warmth of the sun that you felt today. The cool breeze that blew when you began to get too warm. The fruit from trees. I think about God sometimes, and I think about the way he created everything, and I think, you know, God could have made everything look black and white like an I Love Lucy episode. Right? All different shades of gray. He could have made everything taste like oatmeal. Like my father-in-law's pasty oatmeal that he makes for himself every single morning. He didn't need to make things so deliciously sweet and so yummy and good. But he did it because he loves you and I. And he did it as a gift. Think of your favorite fruit right now. What might that be? I've got, what is it? Strawberries? Oh, the whole row said strawberries. 
Mango. Mango. What's another one? Pomegranates. Pomegranates. Luca? Bananas. That's right. There's a monkey over here. Anybody else? Peaches. Oh, peaches are good during the summer, right? Cantaloupe. Guava. Come on, somebody else. What do you like? Watermelon, papayas. See how we get going? Look at the variety. Isn't it incredible? Grapes and the juice of the grape for all you grape juice drinkers. Isn't it wonderful? I mean, we have every reason to simply go, thank you, God, for giving us so many great gifts. But do you know, as wonderful as the sunset is over the Pacific Ocean, as delicious as the fruit is that we eat, it doesn't compare to one thing. Before we get into that, let me, let me tell you a little bit about this earth that God has prepared for us. You see, the Bible says in Psalm chapter 19, verse 1, says this, that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament, the sky, shows his handiwork. You see, all of the earth declare God's handiwork. This planet is absolutely incredible that God made for us. Here's some interesting facts about our planet called earth that God prepared for you and I. It rests at a perfect 23-degree angle to the sun, allowing for seasons and tides and climates. Only one planet in the known universe can support such complex life as you and I and that person sitting next to you. It's exactly the perfect distance from the sun. Any further away, this thing would be a giant ice cube. Any closer, even just a few hundred feet closer, this could all be the Gobi or the Mojave Desert. It's perfect distance from the sun. In his book, The Privileged Planet, author and astrophysicist Guillermo Gonzalez and J.W. Richards state this. They say, after looking at 20 undisputable factors that must be present to support complex life. They attached a mathematical probability of one planet possessing those necessary factors. And that mathematical probability is one times 10 to the 15th power or one in one quadrillionth for one planet to have those 20 factors in perfect mathematical ratios. Mathematicians would call that a mathematical improbability. This unique and privileged planet was created on purpose and for a purpose. And it was the setting for you to experience the life that God intends you to live. But like I said, as incredible as this is, as delicious as this fruit is, as wonderful as it is here on earth, it doesn't compare to something that we read there at the beginning of the story. You see, later on in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, we see that this creator God who fashioned all that we see and, and all that we can taste and all that we can smell and all that we can hear, he doesn't just get it started and say, there you go, now go enjoy. No, he does what I did with my new daughters. As my daughters grew and they would enjoy their room, I would go into their rooms regularly. And as they were playing with their toys and as they were discovering their world, 
I would get down on the floor and I'd sit down with them and I'd begin to play with them. And I can remember Rachel getting a toy and bringing it over to me and saying, Daddy, let's play. I can remember Emma taking a book and, and climbing into my lap and sitting plunk right down into my lap and wanting me to read that book to her. See, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, we see that, that God literally would come to the garden daily and spend time with humanity. He wasn't some distant force off just getting things started like the old song, from a distance, God is watching. No. God was personally, more personally and intimately involved. We read in the book of Proverbs chapter 8 that daily God would delight in humanity. Daily. Later on, the psalmist in Psalm 16 would say that fullness of joy, real joy, is found in the presence of God. See, as great as we see this earth are, you can step outside and go, man, God, thank you. But even beyond that, the greatest gift that he gave was the fact that he was present in the beginning. His greatest present was his presence. And it still is today. The same God that created this incredible place we get to live in wants to be a part of your world today. Just like when I would get on the floor with my daughters, Rachel and Emma. I wanted to experience what they were experiencing. And it brought me great joy. Oh, sure, they were small. Sure, they were immature and they would trip and stumble and oftentimes they would hurt themselves. But it never changed my love for them. Even when they would do things that, well, seemingly were childish, I never stopped loving them. I found such joy just being with them. Our Heavenly Father is exactly the same way, if not even more. He sees your stumblings. He sees your failures. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your shortcomings. Never changes his love for you. Not one bit. He wants to be daily in your life involved, sharing in your experiences. You see, that's the greatest gift we know is God's love expressed in his presence. Since the beginning, he's longed to be with his special creation. He was so desperate to be with us that even in the garden when he would walk daily with his creation, it was a joy for him and I imagine it was a joy for mankind. I can only imagine Adam and Eve running to God every single day. Check this out, God. Look at this thing. I, I put it in my mouth and it was this incredible sensation. It was, it was, it was, God would say, it's sweet, isn't it? It's sweet. That's right. It's sweet. I imagine the pleasure that God got as Adam and Eve were discovering creation. 
But then sin, through disobedience of mankind, separated God and man. We would read later on in Genesis chapter 3 that God's heart was broken. God's heart was broken because sin had separated this intimate relationship that God had designed us to have. But God was so desperate that he wasn't willing to let the separation continue. He didn't want sin to ultimately separate us from men, separate us from God. So he would personally come to earth in human form. That's the season that we're beginning to celebrate. Emmanuel, God-man, Jesus coming to earth. Why? To get back with us. To get his presence with us once again. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 16, one of the most popular Christian verses, but so important for us to realize and recognize this season and in this context, that God so loved the world, not the planet, but the world. See, that's you and me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that everlasting life is found in the presence of God. So as you reflect, as you anticipate this season, would you think about the fact that God's greatest present is his presence. And he wants to be present in your life today. God showed his love by creating an amazing world for us. Tonight when you step outside and you look up at the stars, I want to challenge you. Say thank you, God. Tomorrow morning when the sun rises and you take a breath, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Thank you, God. Next time you bite into a piece of fruit and your mouth explodes with the delicious sensation of sweetness, say thank you, God, for not making it taste like oatmeal. And then God goes on to demonstrate the depth of his love by literally coming and putting on a human suit and saying, I want to be with you forever. As we start this new season at Refinery Church, as we start this new Christmas season, God wants to give you the gift of his presence in your home, in your family, in your dorm room, in your workplace, in your neighborhoods. And that's what Refinery Church is about. Seeing God's presence move in the hearts and lives of men and women, boys and girls and families, and seeing that take place in your world. And it begins with you.
right here, right now.